Well, a warm welcome to all of you to this service of worship today. It is great to be together. And that word together is coming to have a whole new sense of meaning to, I think, all of us as we begin to express that togetherness in all kinds of fresh ways. Uh, I imagine this has been quite a week for you, as it has been in my household. My wife Amy's working from home. We're getting used to a new kind of togetherness. Uh, I think some of you have been out there scrambling for supplies. You've been trying to deal with the educating kids at home experience, a totally new one for so many of us. Uh, you've been perhaps trying to stay in touch through technology with people. Uh, now you're uh, not able to go out as much anymore. You're sheltering at home. It just uh, keeps rolling on, this adventure that we're on together. I suspect all of us are clear enough that this is kind of a first world set of problems. I think all of us are very clear that folks in other parts of the planet have faced conditions much more challenging than these as a normal part of their day-to-day -day life. And I think all of us are tuned into the fact that at least at this particular season, it's really critical that we're doing what we're doing. Uh, we're helping to save lives. We're hopefully shortening the length of this particular season in our culture, in our society's life. And uh, I know that for every one of us that struggles with it, uh, there's a God who looks at us and, and is celebrating the fact that we're sacrificing and submitting ourselves in the important ways uh, that we are. Uh, I know that um, in order to keep on going, though, in the days to come, it's going to take resources. Uh, we're going to have to draw on a greater spirit than ourselves if we're going to have the right spirit. Uh, if this whole uh, change in life is not going to drag us down and bring out the worst than us. Uh, and coming to draw on the power of that great Holy Spirit is exactly what we're about today. So you have come to the right place. I want to welcome you, whether you're young or old, a, a child or somebody in the middle of life, you are in the right circle today. And we hope and pray you're going to find yourself resourced uh, in, a, in a significant fashion. I also want to point out that what we're doing here today in our worship services is not the only way that you can find that kind of resource. If you've not noticed it, Christ Church has gone online in a really big way uh, during these last weeks or, and will be involved in even deepening ways in the days to come. Uh, we've got resources out there on our website for children and families, for small groups. We've put our... Uh, our student ministries are fully online. They're leading the way with a wonderful live streaming and social interactivity. Uh, you can go and, and enjoy some of that just by checking out our website as well. Uh, we're live streaming and we're podcasting some of our best studies for men and women and mature adults and some of our mid-sized communities are going online as well. And again, if you go to the website, you can get lots of information about that. I know people are using these resources because I got just this amazing note this week that I wanted to share with you. Um, someone wrote in who had been part of the uh, Well Women's Fellowship and had listened to the uh, audio broadcast of the teaching this week. And though she was somewhat new to this whole kind of experience, she just wanted to talk about it. And she gave me permission to share this uh, note that she wrote uh, with you. She says, initially, when I was not able to come to church, I, I, I panicked. <laughs> Frankly, I just panicked. But this morning, I was seeking to embrace this new norm we're all in. And tired of my routine, I listened to your podcast. 
Uh, I was encouraged by the teacher, by God's word, by a sense of connection without walls, by a feeling of true community. I received great comfort today and thank you for bringing calm to the chaos around. My takeaways from the teaching this morning were that God is bigger than our fears, that nothing separates us from his love, that we can pour out our hearts to God, and we should, but we need to await God's timing, his providence. And I also realized that individual actions do matter. This is a time to take stock of what in my life really needs attention. And I know that God is my hope above all. And then the writer concludes, thank you and the staff for making me feel safe. I value the connections and your dedication to us helps me to be a beacon to others as I cling to God and his angels hard at work. I love that. I so appreciate the person that took the time to write in and to let us know what uh, these resources are meaning. I hope others of you will uh, stay in touch with us in this way or even suggest ways that you might imagine the church could be even more supportive to you in this particular uh, time. As I've said from the very start, we have never canceled church. Uh, We are just altering the ways that we're trying to be the church in this uh, unusual season. And uh, you're going to sense that even this morning. We are altering the way that we're being the church in worship today. Uh, We have had uh, to make some adjustments to accommodate the governor's order about the size of assembly. And so we're producing our two worship services this morning on our two campuses, here in Oak Brook and uh, here in uh, the Butterfield campus as well. And uh, we are doing this so that we can have no more than 10 people uh, in either one of the buildings at a given uh, time. Uh, Next week, we may alter things. We may be coming to you from our family rooms or our kitchens or who knows where, but we're committed to keep coming to you and joining us together uh, in a meaningful way as we come to seek God's uh, wisdom. Uh, The church is always so much more of a people than it is a particular place. And so we're glad that um, God is with us everywhere, right where you are right now. You can trust that in your home Uh, In your heart, uh, God is present to you and is binding us all uh, together in a wonderful way. So I want to invite you to open your heart to God now, uh, to let him uh, come in and do the the work of peace giving and perspective gaining that he wants to do in us. Let's wait upon the Lord who wants to fill us up to overflowing. Let him strengthen your hope as we come to worship God today. I count on one thing The same God that never failed Will not fail me now You won't fail me now in the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Yes, I will lift you high In the lowest valley, yeah. 
same The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Oh yes I
Call these bones to live Call these lungs to sing once again I will praise Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence fear Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus Jesus, Jesus You make the darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus You silence fear Jesus, Jesus Darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. Your name is a light forever lifted high. Your name cannot.
darkness trembles. Lord, we need that hope and confidence this day. We call out to you. Lord, we know there are real needs. Lord, there are fears. There are people in need of provision. God, some people are sick. God, we pray that you are going to meet every single person right where they're at, right where their needs may be. God, you're going to bring peace to where there's fear. And God, for those that are sick, we pray that you will bring healing to them, bring healing to our land and our world. God, we're mindful of even one of our mission partners, Jose Pablo Sanchez, one of our mission partners in Spain, God, who has the coronavirus. God, we just pray for him now. Bring healing. We thank you that his wife is also in recovery. God, we thank you for that. But God, I pray that you will bring an end to this virus, that you will bring an end to the fear that has swept over our world because in the name of Jesus, all things are possible. God, here and now, I pray that the church would rise up and be the church, that God, we would move towards each other, that we would spur each other on with encouragement, that God, we would serve one another as the opportunities present themselves. God, there's something powerful for your church, your followers, when they are living out their faith. And so, God, we pray that it will be so. God, may the witness of your church be a light in this world, desperately looking and searching for hope. God, we pray this confidently in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Throughout the service, you are going to see that... um, there's some opportunities for you to communicate your cares and, and concerns. Um, we care about you and we want to know what those are so that we, as we are able, can meet those needs and pray for you. My name is Eric. I have, have been one of the pastors for the last 15 years at Christ Church and in the last several years have been the campus pastor right here at our Christ Church Butterfield location. And uh, truly, it's remarkable, isn't it, that we live in a day where in different locations we can come together and worship. And in fact, we're experiencing that through our online worship, our live stream worship. Um, We're scattered all over the western suburbs, the United States, even people tuning in around the world, yet we're linked together as one. I want to have a little fun. One of the things we love to do is just welcome each other to, to fuel that spirit of hospitality. So if you are gathered with others right now, wherever you're at, would you turn to them and say, It is so good to worship with you. And if you happen to be by yourself, I want you to look right at me because I have a message for you. It is so good to be with you right now in worship. Throughout the rest of this service, I'm going to, I just pray that God will open your heart, that you would be able to not just receive from these songs through the the message, through the the declaring of your faith that we're going to do in just a moment, but, but that you would also bring an offering back up to God, that it would come into you and then back up and outward. And to do that, I'm going to ask you to engage and participate along with this service. When we sing, turn the volume up and let it go. It's okay. Uh, Just praise and worship God as if we were gathered here together. When we have opportunities to speak and share like we are in just a moment, do it. Uh, When we have the opportunity to pray, pray, um, and just um, have some fun 
Because what you need to imagine is that all of these voices spread out all over Chicagoland, United States, even the world, all collecting together and going up and putting a smile on God's face because he's going to be glorified as the one voice of his church unites together, which is why we often like to share in the Apostles' Creed or some of the other great creeds of the church. I don't know if you realize this, but it was very early in the beginning of the church in its, in its first decades, the first couple hundred years, that the, the church leaders needed a tool to help teach people and to help building the foundation of the, the, of the Christian faith. Uh, at that time, there were all kinds of different teachings that were popping up and people were starting to, to go astray and the church wanted to protect the integrity and the goodness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a Christian. And so these creeds were a tool that the church would recite together. And so I want to lead us in that now. And uh, you'll see the words on the screen. But just participate with me as we now declare our faith, what we believe, through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. And the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You know, speaking of the church through the ages, if there's one thing the church has been, it has been that source of light. Especially in times of crisis, people look to the church for hope, for security, for answers. And you know what? We want to be that light today. Where there's needs, where there's care, where, where people are looking for prayers to be answered, we want to be present. And one of the things I love about Christ Church is that we are going to be present in this time, in our day. Which is why when we come to this part of our worship, when we get ready to receive our offerings, why this is such an important part of our faith life together. It's that tangible way for us to invest our time, our talents, and our resources so that the church can be supplied, so that the kingdom can be built up, so that we can provide for real needs and real spiritual needs in the lives of people. One of the greatest witnesses of the church has been how it has been present and shown up and actually been a leader for culture and the world when it needed it most. And so I hope you realize just how much your gifts matter. And it's not just your gifts, I hope that God does something in you in these next days as we stretch ourselves because I hope you realize we are part of the greatest work happening on planet Earth right now, God's mission his mission of redemption, his mission of restoration. We have hope, and we want that to ring out through the story of who we are and how we worship and how we supply the church. And so I'm, I'm gonna pray for our offering now. Uh, and I honestly, I want you to participate. Maybe right now you're gonna click the, to give, the, the give button online, uh, and you can participate in worship right now as you as you give, maybe, maybe you like to text to give. 
Uh, you can text the word CCOB or Butterfield to 77977. Maybe you've already done that. If not, if you text uh, CCOB or Butterfield to 77977, you will um, get a prompt. Just simply follow the instructions and you will be able to give through text. Maybe you write in a check throughout the week. But whatever the case, I want you to feel connected to everyone else who right now is moving with a heart of generosity and, and, and take in the words of this song. Perhaps you pray for the world, pray for friends and family that may be needing it and realizing that your gifts and your generosity, we are all making an impact. And so I'm gonna pray right now and then we're gonna have our band lead us in a song. So would you bow your head with me one more time? Father God, we just pray that all that is given in this moment, all that's given in the days and weeks ahead, God, you are gonna multiply its goodness for your kingdom's sake. God, we thank you that your church rallies and when the world most needs it, our generosity shines through. And so God, for Christ church and for all the churches in our area and our land and our world, God, may this spirit of generosity create a story that moves people to you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
altar of our praise let there be no No one understands what I'm going through. I don't see how things can be fixed. Why is this happening? I don't know who I can trust. I'm so lonely. Does God show up in my pain? Do you ache when I ache? Where is God in this? I'm all alone. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm struck that it's hard to really understand the message of the cross when life is going along swimmingly. (laughs) When everything is according to order, it's under our control. When things feel so easy, how do we even appreciate the reality of what Jesus did for us there? That's why one of the gifts of this season is, I think, the opportunity to think more deeply about this core element of the Christian faith. Uh, The work that Jesus does upon the cross of Calvary and the words that he speaks to us from that place are amongst the most important messages that we could receive in this time and I would argue in any time. We've been reflecting together on those cross words during this Lenten season. We've been in a conversation about the particular things that Jesus said even in his process of dying that showed us something about what it really means to live. And I want to take us back today to the testimony of Scripture as it describes, once again, Christ's conveyance of an important message to us. This one, a little unusual, spoken not so much to people directly as a message that is spoken to God and teaches us something about our own experience as well. Would you listen as I read today? Uh, from Matthew's Gospel, the 27th chapter. You're welcome to open in your own Bible if you so choose to Matthew 27. I'm going to be picking it up at verse 45. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone and let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. I want to think with you today about this word forsaken. We don't often dwell on that concept. We don't always recognize perhaps the sense of forsakenness that is common to the experience of many people. I know that our hearts are a little bit more sensitive right now than they usually are to the plight particularly of elderly people who are isolated at home, Uh, people who in current conditions are required to shelter at home, who live a lot of their lives very much alone, and who now can't even go outside of their house to see the friendly face of that waitstaff person they know at the local eatery, or the uh, person behind the dry cleaning counter, or maybe the individual that was always there for them at that store they frequented. Now, really, in a deeper way than before, some of these precious people, part of our family and society, are feeling very forsaken. But this past week, I got to thinking how much this is the experience of more people than we normally contemplate. And I just sort of let my mind begin to run around the various life circumstances that could actually produce a sense of forsakenness in people. I wonder how often we know of all of the people in our neighborhood or our community or our workplace who make a pilgrimage quite regularly to the graveside of someone they have deeply loved who will never be coming home. I wonder how many people in our world uh, behind the, the entertaining posts they make on Instagram or some other social media outlet are actually secretly feeling an agonizing sense of isolation, wondering why the call never comes, the text never arrives, asking them out on a date, choosing them instead of having them always be the one who reach out. How many of those people are in our worlds? We don't hear the cries, not the audible ones anyway, way of the people whose birthday hasn't been remembered by anybody in years, or the one who gets calls from people on the phone, but only people trying to sell them something. We probably uh, may not be aware of the pain of the woman whose womb will not bear the child for whom she longs. We may not be aware that we're living just three doors down in the neighborhood from somebody whose marriage is over. Maybe not officially, but practically over. Or somebody else who lives there and the kids never call. The news will talk 
a lot about this next theme in many, many ways over the days to come, but you will probably not hear the out loud shouts and wails of those people for whom the current economic crash is devastating to them and leaving them wondering how they're going to make it. Will they survive it? Feeling so panicked, feeling so alone. I have no idea whether or not you know somebody like that. I don't even know for sure whether maybe you are somebody like that. But this much I do know. Sometimes life can come to feel such cosmic loneliness, such utter abandonment that all of the soul that the soul knows to even do is to cry out in some way to the heavens above, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Why can't I feel you? Do you see me at all? Have you ever been there? Are you living there now? Do you have a heart for people who are? Because more than perhaps in a very long time, many, many more people are experiencing something of this sentiment, I think there's something in the fourth words of Christ from the cross that are especially timely to us especially valuable to us. That Jesus even spoke out at all really seems something amazing in itself if you think about it. After all, he had been able to stand in complete silence when Caiaphas and Herod and Pilate all rejected him. Jesus made not a sound in those moments. He had managed to hold his tongue when his best friends, his disciples, deserted him and betrayed him. He had clenched his teeth as the soldiers flogged him and nailed him to that cross. He had resisted returning evil for evil to those people jeering up at him as he hung on the cross, delighting in his pain. Even nature itself seemed unable to, to not shout out in some way, to, to, to bear all of the sin of what was going on in this moment without saying something about it. The Apostle Paul once wrote, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Anybody who is a student of the melting ice caps or the rising seas or the vanishing rainforests knows how the creation complains about the abuse that it receives at the hands of sinful humanity. But the scriptures suggest that though Jesus did not speak out himself until just this moment we're talking about, what happened there on Golgotha that day from noon until about three was an act so horrific that it seemed to bring about more than the usual kind of creation's groans. We're told that darkness literally came over all the land. It was as if the creation itself was weeping and gnashing its teeth 
that a race could be so wicked or so blind that it could sentence to death, that kind of a death, a life so good and beautiful as Jesus' was. He who was life, himself crucified. Let me just pause and observe for a moment that even very well-educated and very capable human beings can fall into colossal ignorance and repeated error. You probably know that the coronavirus started in what is known as the wild wet markets of China. There are places where where live creatures uh, who are soon to be sold and butchered are stacked vertically in these mesh cages, one atop another in conditions that are just bound to breed disease. Just as as the top animal and, and the next one, as the fluids fall, it just is bound to breed tremendous disease. On November the 6th, in the year 2000, I went to Wuhan. I saw those wet markets with my own eyes. They are the animal equivalent of the prison stacks that America has created and then sometimes wondered why our cities are these breeding grounds of crime and of despair. And it was there in those animal prisons of Wuhan that the SARS epidemic first started back in 2003. China closed down those markets after SARS. They recognized the danger that these unhygienic environments posed to human beings, but they opened them up again. Why? Because there was demand for them. Because it was profitable. Because people had an appetite for the bat meat and the other wild products being sold there even though it was perilous to them. And as it turns out, to so many other people now. It's hard to remember that our individual choices in life, choices as simple as the kind of food we eat or whether we wash our hands, have a ripple effect because we're bound together in this inextricable fabric of humanity. And God begs us to pay attention to the health of our own lives precisely because of the way those lives will, one way or another, impact others' lives. In the mysterious iniquity of human nature, a nature that is so blessed by God and yet somehow perversely insistent that it actually be God, the market for for what sin offers us is always thriving. It's a global phenomenon present in every single culture, every much so in America as in China or in Iran or in Italy or anywhere else. It's only coming to a head right now in this particular moment, becoming profoundly visible to us. 
but pride and lust and envy and sloth and gluttony and deceit and all of the most deadly spiritual viruses always have a host, are always looking for a new host. And nowhere did all of that sickness that is out there all the time in this world, nowhere did all of that pathology in a sense come together so vividly as it did at the cross of Christ. At the close of those three hours that we've been reading about, those three hours of such unthinkable kind of horror, something happened almost too gigantic to be put into words. In some mysterious manner that we may never fully understand ourselves, that I'm still, after all these years, working to grasp for myself, somehow all of the little lies and the vilest deceptions, all of the tiny slights and the brutal murders, all of the subtle sins and the great corruption of every person that has ever lived or ever will live were transferred off of humanity and onto Jesus Christ. Jesus took it all, all of the disease into himself. And in that single instant, the scriptures say in Galatians 3, Jesus became a curse for us. He absorbed the full consequences of our disease. He took into his body the full effects of the infection of sin and of death. And at that moment, some theologians believe God the Father, who is, as you know, Pure holiness, absolute purity, a God who struggles to gaze upon even the tiniest sin may have had to turn his face away from his son, may have had to impose some social distance between himself and his beloved only begotten son, the virus of sin present now, taken by Jesus, was that intense. That's how some people understand the teaching of Scripture there when Jesus felt so forsaken. Now Jesus, I think, can bear it when you or I abandon him for other pursuits and for other priorities and distractions, he, he does. Because let's admit it, we do abandon him. You know, it's often not until the moment of crisis that we turn our eyes towards Christ in a deep way. Jesus could bear it when all of humanity abandoned him to a cross without saying a word actually to betray the real pain he was feeling, Jesus did bear it. But at about three in the afternoon, the scriptures say, some translations put it at the ninth hour, Jesus of Nazareth experienced an abandonment that even he couldn't bear. 
even he in all of his glorious power and strength could not bear. He who, as the apostle John points out in the beginning of his gospel, had been with God from the beginning, had known from all eternity the glorious companionship of the Trinity, who had never ever known before not even a single instant of separation or distance from the wonder of life in the circle of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He who had known this glorious community and communion suddenly endured a separation so cold, a decline of his perceived market value so precipitous that even the most pitiable suffer on earth will never even know a corner of it unless he or she goes to the hell from which Jesus' death is designed to keep us, to save us. No wonder Christ cried out, And yet what Jesus said at that particular moment reveals, I want to suggest to you today, two incredible truths that have the potential of actually changing our experience of how we go through trials, of how we experience our suffering, or at least the the version of it we're going through maybe right now. And, And I want to think about these two truths with you before I let you go today. We know that Christ's first hearers actually misunderstood his words. When he cried out those words, my God, my God, uh, Eloi, Eloi, in in the Aramaic, uh, the Bible says that the listeners originally thought he was talking to Elijah, the ancient prophet, that he was calling out to the prophet Elijah to help him. The Jews at that particular moment in history believed that Elijah had the power to bring God's mercy to man. That that Elijah had been invested in heaven with a saintly capacity to bring God's grace to human beings when they needed it. And eager actually to see a a spectacle of power shown, the crowd uh, stopped someone trying to relieve Christ's agony with a drink. And the soldiers were trying to give Jesus a little break to answer his thirst, as we'll talk about in coming weeks. But the crowd tried to stop them from doing that. They said, leave him alone. And let's just see if Elijah comes to save him. But that's not what Jesus was saying. That is not at all what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was doing was quoting scripture. He was quoting Psalm 22. I invite you to read today, to open in your Bibles and go ahead and read it for yourself today sometimes. Psalm 22. It's an amazing passage for two reasons. The first is that we can now see it as the prophecy it definitely was. You see, Psalm 22 describes what it was like to undergo crucifixion only about a thousand years before crucifixion was invented. We're given an advanced video stream of what is to come. 
But the second reason that Christ's citing of this psalm is so amazing is because of what it implies when you know the whole psalm. You see, while Psalm 22 begins with this agonizing confession of despair over God's apparent abandonment of his servant. You know, why have you forsaken me? The, the psalmist cries out. While it begins with this terrible sense of forsakenness and aloneness, it doesn't end there. It concludes actually with a bold affirmation that as bad as it gets, God is going to be faithful to save. God is steadfast and can be trusted. Now, to tell you the truth, I, I have actually never bought the idea that, that the father abandoned his son in this particular moment. I think God has actually looked upon sin a lot. I think God has gotten somewhat accustomed to looking upon sin. But I do understand why Jesus in his humanity might have actually thought that God had abandoned him. In that moment of supreme duress as the sin of the world centered on him. But I think it was only the human part of him that in that instant failed to see that his father was with him always. Please remember that for yourself in this difficult season. Remember that for yourself. Sometimes the answers to the why questions of life don't come quickly. I've lived through long stretches when it just was rough going and I, and I didn't understand why. Sometimes in this life, the answers we're looking for don't come at all. The painful truth is that when you're hanging on the cross of suffering, the heavens are sometimes going to be very dark and very silent. And it would be very easy to think that that is the end of the story. But it's not. You're just at one place in the unfolding psalm. It's not the end. In the midst of our dark agonies, those feelings of abandon we, we sometimes have, those times when the normal rhythms and the, the familiar economy and security of our life just collapses and we can't see anything but a deeper kind of winter coming, in those times we have to remember that the sun still exists. Even when it's dark and cloudy here, the sun is still there. We have to remember that. We must remember there's going to come a moment when the sun breaks through the clouds. There will come an Easter morning. It may not come by this Easter, <laughs> but it's coming. When the darkness will be lifted, when the questions will be answered, when possibilities will open up again for us, that day is coming. And when you cannot see all the way to the end of the psalm, to the end of the story, at least do this. At least make sure that you're crying as Jesus did in the direction of God. Because even in the suffering, there's an opportunity, maybe especially so then, for an intimacy with the one who so loves us that he sent Jesus to be our savior. 
Which brings me to the second and final truth that I think is embedded in these words of Jesus. And this one may seem like a bit of a paradox. It may seem for the younger listeners like a bit of a contradiction, like something that, how does this work? How do these two things come together? You see, the cross of Jesus was for him a moment of separation from the Father. But he was willing to endure that, to at least to experience that separation, so that the cross could come to mean something different for you and for me. For us, the cross means not God's absence, but the, rather the assurance of God's unfailing presence in our suffering. It's not a sign of his absence, it's a sign of his presence to us when we suffer. I want to think about that with you. In his famous book, Night, author Eli Wiesel, who is a survivor of the terrible Nazi Holocaust, who spent um, years in the prison camp at Auschwitz, describes a particularly horrible moment when he and the other prisoners were forced to watch the execution, the hanging of, a, of another prisoner. The other prisoner had been guilty of a very minor infraction, actually was an innocent soul. And, and, and yet these terrible people, the guards, had decided that he would be executed as an example to the others. And so they forced the prisoners to watch the terrible act being committed. And, and seeing this innocent person perishing before their eyes, the prisoners felt like they had entered hell itself. Where is God now? Somebody cried out from the line of people as they paraded past this execution site, forced march past this place. Where is God now? And there was a terrible silence for a moment as the question hung in the air and then someone further back in the crowd spoke up and said, I know where God is. There he is, right there in front of us. Right there, suffering with us. I ask myself sometimes, why why did Jesus subject himself to the cross? Why did he do that knowing as he must have known that it would mean not only such physical anguish but the worst kind of spiritual agony anybody could ever experience? The textbook answers, of course, I know. Well, he did it because it fulfilled prophecy. Well, he did it because it was necessary to cancel out our sin, to pay the price for our sin. But along with Christian author Max Lucado, I can't help but wonder if there wasn't one more reason. Lucado writes, something very compassionate, something very personal. I keep thinking of all the people 
that cast despairing eyes towards the heavens, the dark heavens, and cry, why? And I imagine him, I imagine Jesus listening. I picture his eyes misting. I see a pierced hand brushing away the tears. And although he may for now not offer us the answer we're looking like, looking for, though he may not solve the dilemma for us, though the question may freeze painfully in midair, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, writes Lucado, that he who also was alone understands. understands our forsakenness. And I find that somehow that makes a difference. It does make a difference. It helps. Somebody once said that Jesus did not come to do away with suffering, but to fill it with his presence. And he came to do that so that you and I would have the courage we needed to persevere, to struggle against sin and all of the spiritual viruses that are always there working on us. He did it to give us the courage to deal with our difficulties of other kinds that come our way. And we're dealing with some now, but let's keep that in perspective. He's given us enough grace to deal with this. He has come to show us what it looks like to hang tenaciously onto one another during these times. And until that final day comes, when no one anymore will be stacked in cages. Until that day when no innocent people will be hung anymore from gallows. And no one will ever feel themselves forsaken. Until that day. And that day, I believe, is coming. I don't control time. I can't speed things up. But I know there is coming a day when the virus is defeated, all kinds of virus. A day when evil is going to be cast out. A day when the tears will be no more. No more. Until that day, beloved, said Jesus to his followers, in this world, you will suffer. But be brave, for I have overcome this world. And if I live, you shall live also. For I am with you always, in the darkness and in the light. When the market is high and when the market is low. When you are healthy and when you are sick. When the news reports are happy and when they are lousy. I am with you in all ways, even to the close of this age. Right now, right where you are, Jesus is with you. Jesus understands. Jesus has the strength you need and I need and we need together. Believe this, beloved, that even in his dying, Jesus was showing us how we can live. Would you please pray with me?
God, we put our trust in you. We reach out our trembling hands and we take hold of your strong hand. We dare to choose to believe that you are more with us in these times, in a sense, than in those times when everything is so smooth we don't even care about knowing you. Whether we're living in ignorance about our own conditions or living in an excessive kind of despair, we know that you do understand us. You are here with us. Please remind us by your spirit that our ultimate worth, our final security has never actually been in the stock market. That our true hope is not in the survival of these temporary shells we call bodies, whether it is for the next few days or for the next 50, 100 years. Enable us, God, to live by faith and courage in this time. Inspire us to reach out in love to others who may be afraid or alone or feeling forsaken. Moved by an awareness of your steadfast presence with us, of your power to save us, Give us courage to live through these times with faith and with hope and with love. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said together, Amen. Amen.
sing all the earth and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones sing come on Let us sing it alone. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. joy to be in the circle with you today as we think once again on the magnificence of God's love and the words of Jesus to us. I hope you will find something in what we've talked about here today that you can continue to talk about with each other in these days to come and that this will be an encouragement to you for the journey ahead. Please do remember that there are a host of great resources available on our website to you. We'd love to hear from you if you write us at help at Christchurch.us. We'd love to know how we can serve you as your church family more fully. Or perhaps you'll use help at Christchurch.us to let us know of your desire to help in some way. I also want to encourage you, if you've not already done that, to sign up for Facebook. And the reason I say that is because Facebook gives us an incredible opportunity to share resources with you even more transparently and easily and connect us to one another. So Christchurch.us and Christchurch Butterfield both have Facebook accounts. And if you go there and sign up for that, it's going to be a lot easier for us to touch base in an ongoing way over the course of the given week. Tonight, I'm going to actually going to be going on Facebook Live at 7 p.m. And if you, you tune in to Facebook then, I've got another message I want to share with you and some thoughts for this week to come that may be helpful. Uh, if you like us on Facebook, if you follow us on Facebook, it will also uh, make all of the algorithms work in a way that will help other people uh, come to know about the ministry that God is doing through the people of Christ Church. So do hold that in your mind, uh, and I look forward to connecting again with many of you uh, this evening. And now, beloved, go forth in hope, even if that going forth is just 
to your kitchen or down the hall, hang on to hope. God has not forsaken us. He is with us always. Pick up the phone, call somebody else, remind them they're not alone, that God is with us all. And we look forward to reconnecting again very soon. Thus, may the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you always. And until we stand with Jesus face to face and forevermore, amen. Amen.